welcome to another episode of the Trinity United Church Legon Podcast. And now for today's teaching. Good morning, church. For some two special reasons, I have great joy sharing some few thoughts with you um, this morning. The first one is that today we are helping me to continue to see that God's prophecy about me continues to be fulfilled. And the second one is that if I'm called into a context like this, I feel like fish in water. Because this is what I eat, this is what I drink. This is what my whole life is engineered to bring to bear on Christianity in Africa. So I thank you for the privilege. And I thank you for making it possible for me, as I said, to share some thoughts on you. Culture and an African identity is what I'm going to speak to. Culture and an African identity. I've gone around our country, even in some high academic institutions, and I've realized that culture is not easy to define. No, we're going to grapple with it, but we believe that God himself to show us the way forward. Shall we pray? Father, this is your church. We thank you for the fulfillment of prophecy. And we thank you for the privilege of serving your church. We thank you because we believe that you give us utterance but not just utterance, that your power that is able to penetrate into the thinking and being of those you speak to and cause transformation in them which results in growth will be released because it is our Lord Jesus Christ who made a promise and we will be blessed by the teaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, have we prayed. Amen. So this phenomenon that we call culture, to be on the same page, let me give some brief definitions of culture before I come to my own definition of culture and then progress from there. One of the scholars in the area of anthropology from the Western world is Spradley. And Spradley defines culture as the acquired knowledge used to interpret experience and generate behavior. James Spradley. Then one of my own professors at Asbury Theological Seminary in the USA, brilliant man, who for strange reasons have left the classroom and is now into farming and only supervises PhD work. Now, Michael Rinkiewicz, in his soul, self, and society, attempts a definition of culture. And it would not be good for me to talk about culture when I don't address it from the perspective of the person who taught me applied anthropology. For Rinkiewicz, culture is more or less integrated system of knowledge, values, and feelings that people use to define their reality, their worldview, and interpret their experiences 
and generate appropriate strategies for life. Don't worry about their book long definitions. I'll bring it home. Then he goes on to explain that culture is also about the system that people learn from other people around them and share with other people in a social setting. A system that people use to adapt to their spiritual, social, and physical environments. Then one scholar I met at Dallas, William Dianis, I was presenting a paper at the National Conference of the American Missiological Society. And I met him over breakfast. William Dyer is a great scholar. And he says, culture is defined as the patterns, artifacts, and practices that humans develop to organize their corporate life and express their identity. Enough about the book long and the big words definition. What is culture for me? For me, what is culture? And this is how I look at culture. It is the sum total of all the symbolic texts and text is in quotes. I will, I will unpack what I mean by text. The sum total of all the symbolic texts by which a people define their world and realities which they use to guard what is appropriate communication, socialization, economics, and even entertainment for them. You talk about culture and you're talking about the whole human being, the whole human personality acting in human societies. And culture then becomes all the symbols they use to define what is real for them. If I went to the classroom, I would say they are epistemological orientations. What is real for them? What constitutes appropriate communications, socializations, economics, religion, and even entertainment for them? So it's everything about human beings and how they have been symbolically processed for generations of that, that people to constitute what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. So in the domain of um, culture, we also looking at ethics. And so now we talk about contextual ethics, ethics, that is appropriate in certain contexts. Culture therefore spells for a people their essential uniqueness and identities. Saying that because this is culture, it is the instrument for spelling out the essential uniqueness and identities of people. Let me bore you with some further explanations before I come home. It is the intentional and strategic regulation of human life, involving how to live appropriate life in one society with regards to social relations, economics, religion, marriage, birth, and the raising of children for the society, as well as barrier of the dead and respect for the dead and even an understanding of the future of human beings. All these are in the domain of culture. Culture is not about dancing. Culture is not about the type of food you eat or the type of language you speak. All those are cultural texts. You look at them and you are able to identify the unique characteristics or identities 
of a particular people. Though they themselves are not culture, they are tools for culture. For it is said that the analysis of culture is not an experimental science in search of meaning, but an anthropological one in search of meaning with a view to identifying the unique identities of people. And culture is socially transmitted. And the first person who created culture for human beings is God himself. But we corrupted God's good culture and replaced it with our own cultures. Because without having culture, there's no way we can live in this life. So it is culturally, culture is socially transmitted from one generation of a people to their succeeding generations. And the mode of transmission is very important. If a people want to maintain their identity and remain the people they think they are, then the mode of transmission of culture is very, very important. And people have to spend every energy to look in that area. And so culture is taught through social systems and settings across generations of people. Um, Adolfo, let me do a little marketing here. If you want more of this, if you want to understand more of the things I am trying, struggling to put across, just come to Trinity Reception and ask for a copy of my book, Symbolic Theology, and it will be clearer for you. And it's not expensive, it's just um, 80 cities. The receptionist will give you a copy of the book. At least you broaden your understanding of culture. But if you look at the definitions I bored you with from the beginning, the one of Rinkiewicz, Dianes, and the others, you realize that they indicate that the relationship between a people's culture has a direct bearing on their unique identity. Culture is what gives us our identities as a people around the globe. For this important role or import of culture, the great Andrew Wolves, the mission anthropologist who volunteered his services for some years at Agrofi Center, and who has gone to be with the Lord has done a strong submission to the fact that people are so much their culture that we cannot even do effective Christianization when we avoid the route of people's culture. Walsh says culture has symbolic text for its analysis and interpretations like symbols and ceremonies of a people art pieces like the Edinkrasimbos, like the drums we are beating, and uh, how we are dressed this morning, are all cultural texts. Anybody comes here, and the person, if it's informed, will realize that these are Africans from that part of Africa that we call Ghana. They are texts that people can analyze, read, and identify who we are as a people. Another cultural text is the rituals of a people. You look, you observe the rituals of a people and you begin to see who the people are, their view of the world, and even their view of life after this life. And that is why I have I've struggled uh, for some one and a half years now, I've struggled questioning every liturgy of the Methodist Church, for example. And I've done some papers to that effect to the conference office. 
arguing that the types of rituals we have in our liturgies do not represent us appropriately as a people from Ghana and Africa. Cultural tests can be dance forms, the styles we dance. If somebody comes up here in, in, in front of the Bobobo group and begins to waggle the waist with the body bent forward, immediately you see that this is coming from the Volta region and this is what they are trying to project. And I am told in one of my research that even the dance they did has differences in them. If the person is not married and the person is ready to be married, the way they do the bobobo speaks to that effect. And if they are married and there's no way about them, the way they do the bobobo communicates that for those who know. And so selection in a way that will not trespass in other people's areas can even be identified in the dancing, the dancing selves of the people doing the dancing. I wish I knew how to identify them so that I, I could point those of them who are not married to some of the youth, young people here. Another text of culture is stories, stories. The stories people tell are also windows into the human being of the people who tell the stories. So you see, culture is not just dancing. It's a whole, it encapsulates the whole of human being, what it means to be a human being. And it includes even the farming technologies that we have, how we bury the dead, or our cultural texts, the type of food we eat, our traditional laws, our court system at Ainvie, and the modes of arbitration are all cultural texts that can be studied to know who we are as a people. And this is done towards identifying our identities. And the folklore we sing about. If you listen to, I mean, when we're studying in America, sometimes we'll travel to another state to join family for Thanksgiving and things like that. Whenever we're doing a long journey, I'll put in a Magic the Days song in the car. And I'll put in Nanam Perdue's song. And my wife, who thinks that she's more Christian than me, the Osofu, <laughs> will tell me that, Osofu, you are falling. Why, why, are you, why are you doing this music? And then I get to church and I begin to teach and I'm using uh, a Magic the Day. And I'm using an amper, this folklore, to make meaning of the word of God. And then she comes back after the service to sit in the car, and then she'll say, ah, so you can teach from this too. And these days I realize that when I'm driving and she's sitting by me, the same Amachi the day an amper, this songs. She'll be tapping the feet and dancing to it. You see, that thing is in your blood. It is culture, you cannot run away from it. So why don't you stand up and dance? For sometimes I think that Amachi Dede and Nanam Pedu sing more Christian gospel songs than some of the ladies who parade themselves as gospel singers. Marechi Tre Radio if this is not gospel, then tell me what is gospel. <laughs> is it gospel because of the person singing it? Or is gospel because of the words articulated in the song? That we cannot debate it here. But folklore is also a text for culture. Now, go to our christening cer ceremonies. Go to our marriages. Go to settings when people die, go to our burials and things that are done in the funerals and you realize that this is what we give to the world as who we are. And even have understanding that life is not limited in this life. And I learned this and I teach it in the classroom that for us as a people, we believe that when people die from here, 
You cross a river to the world of the dead. You can call it the world of ancestors. And when they die in the world of the ancestors, they come here. And before you go from this place to the world of the dead or die in the world of the dead and come here, you have to cross a big river. And it's interesting to note that Jim Reeves and some of the hymns will sing about the river we cross. Cross the river, across the river. My ancient grandmothers didn't need to write theses. They just sang it and spoke about it. That there's a river we cross to the other side. And that river is called a refusio. My refusio and my refusio and my refusio what do you think Amachide is doing? It is that river that explains why we come into this life and we do not remember life in the world of the dead. And the same river that explains why those in the world of the dead cannot remember in details life here so that they don't need to rush back for their children and grandchildren they've left here. We have a way of explaining everything. And it is not for me and you to question whether it is true or not. For what is truth? And this question, the Roman governor put to Jesus when he said, I've come to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? For truth is relative. What is truth? What type of truth have you come? to bear witness to. As a matter of fact, informed people have stopped using the word truth and they use reality, realities. For realities are subjective and contextual. They are subjective and contextual. Truth speaks arrogantly and claims that I know what it is and everywhere it stands, it should be the same. Life is not only scientific. Life is not only scientific. So you don't give scientific answers to life. You do that and you're making mistakes. How we parent our children and how we serve as guardians of children of the society are all cultural texts. And let me quickly run through this. Culture covers areas like religion, according to the definition I gave you covers areas like economics, morality, appropriate relationships, parenting, appropriate education and settings for education. I have argued strongly within the Methodist settings that the reality that we, everybody who is becoming a minister of the church has to come to Trinity a self-imposed limitation on the abilities of the church. And that, if we are to look at what happens in the Bible and what happens in our culture, there's room for what we call the apprentice model of training people. So that why don't we do the apprentice model and limit those who come here to only those who have graduated from secondary schools, universities, and people who can speak English and write English. Are we saying that if somebody has not been to the classroom, the anointing of God cannot come on that person? After all, who granted Christianity in Ghana here? And the two most significant people that we can point to immediately as a stand here is William Wadi Harris, who in 10 years, in the limited numbers of uh, populations of um, West Africa, was able to convert 20,000 people to Christianity. In those days when the numbers were not big, he converted 20,000 people to Christianity and come to Ghana and Ghana Methodism. The pews in Methodist churches were almost empty until something upon Sebetutu started preaching in the northern parts of Ghana from Kumasi to Bnoahafu and those areas. There are many churches there that will write their history and tell you that the churches came into being because of the ministry of Samson upon Sebetutu. This man was illiterate. 
Emoshi, Emoshi um, man who became a Ghanaian. His father was farm laborer. No education, no proper formal education. The only thing he had was the spirit of God on him, the anointing. He comes into a community, stands under a tree, beats his drum with a stick in hand, begins to preach the gospel. And people come from their homes. And they are so tied by the Holy Spirit that they go back to their homes and bring all their talismans, take him from the gods for him to burn. And so they gave him the name Sebe, talisman. Sebe to two. Wherever he gets to, the talismans run away. No school. And this is the type of Christianity Jesus wants us to have. It's not about school. So why can't we do apprenticeship training for some ministers? Bring them under senior ministers. Let them teach them by apprentice. And let the senior ministers certify that these people are well trained to be ministers. And then send them out there to plant a church. Nest the church. And let the church recommend them for the nation as a way of saying, prove your calling. Because if God has called you, you not destroy a church. You build the church. These are some of the things I'm thinking about. The apprentice model. And I'm thinking about this because I'm a culture person. The impossibility of separating an individual from his social relations and that from his society leads to one unvarying feature in Christian history. And this is championed by Andrew Wall's theory, which has come to us in, under the name indigenization. Indigenized Christianity, save a people and save their culture. So people have to live as Christians and yet be members of their own society and churches. They should be members of their own societies, living the cultures of their people, of course, critically evaluated cultures of their people and are, who are also members of the church. Pro proper Christianity for Africans will therefore fly on two wings. Contextualized Christian confessions and membership of our society as Africans. It is on these two wings that Christianity should fly. If it doesn't, Christianity in a part of the world will only be peripheral. And like they say in America, African Christianity is a mile wide and less than an inch deep. Because Christianity has not been properly contextualized. And in the 1700s, the greatest missionary strategist, Henry Venn, of the Church Missionary Society said, a church's work amongst the people is never complete until the people themselves can do theology in their own language and self-sponsor themselves and self-sponsor their missions. That is the 18th century. Early part of it, he said this. Theologically, and our cultural uniqueness and identities are extremely important for salvation. In other words, it will be very difficult to be saved without you showing traces of your culture. Listen to it carefully so that you don't come and beat me here. It is not just about, I believe in Jesus Christ and so I am saved. Fine. But those who believe in Jesus Christ are saved also have their culture saved. Any missionary aspect will tell you that to save a person without the conversion of the person's culture is half-baked. You have not finished the journey. Save them and save their culture. And critically evaluate their culture and let them express their Christian understanding in their culture. And this is a strong theological statement that I am going to substantiate presently. Listen to me. When we sinned in Adam and Eve and later on decided that we, don't, we, we didn't need God and wanted to build a tower to heaven so that we'll be independent of God and live to the glory that we have made for ourselves. God intervened in Genesis chapter 11, 1 to 9, 
The Bible says God came down and said, let us confuse their language. They should not all speak one language. God does not want us to be one people. It is not God's intention. That will be all one people. Speaking one language and having one culture. It's never God's intention for human beings. When everything has finished and we have come to heaven, we shall see I before in heaven. We shall see gas in heaven. We shall see Asantis in heaven. Heaven is not going to sink our cultural differences. No, that is not the eschatology of the Bible. For in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10, he says, And after all this, behold, I saw and I saw people from different languages, from different tribes, different nationalities. If John did not see people dancing bobobo in heaven, how did John come to know that they were different from those who were dancing from America, for example? So we're taking our cultural distinctiveness and identities with us to heaven. Different languages, different nations. Heaven, in fact, is going to be a mosaic of cultures. Did you hear that? Heaven, according to the Bible, is going to be a mosaic of cultures. So if you do not leave your culture and you throw your culture away and you come to heaven and there are a here and there are Santis here but you don't have any of their cultures, where will you go? So it's important to uphold your culture so that when you go to heaven, you have identity with some people. And I'm serious about this. I'm, I'm speaking theologically. Culture is so important. And God wants to save us and our culture. Heaven is never meant to be a mosaic of cultural identities. Now the incarnation of Jesus Christ our Lord is the biggest push and motivation for cultural distinctiveness and identities. The incarnation means that Jesus who is God and does not need to identify with any culture of human beings, for all cultures are created by human beings. Jesus who is God and does not need to identify with any culture of human beings became a human being. But like Andrew Walsh would say, when Jesus became a human being, he did not become a general human being. So that Oyeka Kampenpein is Onyina Odum, one tree with different parts. No, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The incarnated Jesus came into a culture-specific people and became one of the people of that culture and used the symbols and the teaching methodologies of that culture to reveal who God is to the immediate people who followed him and sent them out as apostles to go and use people's cultures to make meaning of God for them. It is not his intention that we throw away our cultures. But sadly, early missionary interventions did very good and great jobs for us but they failed woefully in trying to make us become converted, more of converted Westerners than converted Africans. But the children are growing, and we are reading, and we are studying, and we are realizing that we cannot be Christians if we don't come with our culture. Let anybody who thinks that he can go to heaven without his culture engage me in a debate in my office and I convert that person. If you are not a cultural, culturally identifiable person, forget it. You have no space in heaven. Oh, maybe. You're quite Note, when Jesus became a human being, he was a Jew and identified with the Jewish culture. So when Paul comes to Athens, Acts 17, 23, he says, Walking around amongst you, I've seen that you are very religious. For I've seen that you have this altar with inscription to an unknown God. And this God that you do not know is the one I am going to teach you. Alluding and finding ways to their hearts 
in their own culture. And I'll be bold to say that if you preach to a people and you ignore their culture, as I said, that's an incredible symbol that is called insuable. And there are clothes, and to my be a to me didn't say, insuable. Kanya misemma dear chin, that's a one fat yamamre no memoir. It was as in so a bare body, a so a wound and swabber and fashion So Christianity wants us to champion cultural identities. And to champion cultural identities, we need culturally oriented instructional theories like the apprenticeship model that I discussed not long ago. How do we teach our people? And what has been the way we have been teaching our people? And let me tell you, Professor Jachi, the emeritus professor who was at, across the street, has written a book on modernity. And in that book, he says, modernity is never a rejection of the past. Modernity. It's never a rejection of the past. In other words, you don't say we are in a modern world if you are thinking right. And so you reject your past. Now we refuse. Now heaven a job on us, we refuse. Over there, no alcohol. One in Namsa, when we were in primary school, there was this reader we had. Uh, Maybe some of you read it. Kovichinto. He was so bad, very bad, that when he died, he was refused entrance to heaven. And Satan himself rejected him. Because Satan said, if I allow Kovichin Thor to come to me, he will take over my kingdom. And so since that time, Nigerians will say since, Kovichin Thor has been uh, cometing in the skies. When in the night you see a shooting star, it is white people who call it shooting style. It is not any shooting star. It is confusing talk. Who has nowhere to go and is therefore looking for a place of abode. We have to mainstream Christ and turn the devotions and the loyalties of our people from the traditional gods to Christ. That is the point where any missionary scholar will tell you that conversion or the move towards Christianity has happened. The rituals of our church in the understanding of the paradigms of African traditional religion should be pursued seriously if we want our people to be saved. We have done theology like Western people do their theology. But I tell you, my grandmother and your grandmother were wiser than any Western scholar. Because they would have to do about 600 pages to discuss the sovereignty of God, for example. But our grandfathers and grandmothers only needed one symbol to do that. And they created Jinyame. Everybody who understands the language of Jinyame knows that they're talking about the sovereignty of God. Look at how we are struggling with the doctrine of atonement. The various voices and comments on this simple thing that Jesus became the lamb who died to reconcile us back to God. How we are struggling, even as systematic theologians. But my grandmother and my grand uncle will just give us one symbol. And it's enough. And they will tell you, What they mean by that is that don't read all the good, big, fat, fat books. 800. Just study God from your own culture and realize that everything the Western world is teaching you is here in your own culture. And it's so simple and comes home to you quickly. Let me quickly go to the end. You know our own professor who was 
the moderator of the Presbyterian Church of Ghana, Emmanuel Mate, the great man who mentored me academically through my MTH studies here. He has said something and I want to quote him. He says, if you do not train people in their culture, even in Christianity, it will lead to anthropological pauperization. It will lead to anthropological pauperization. Well, I'll try to explain it, but since he is around, anytime you meet him, he's so humble. Anytime you meet him, stop him and say, Prof, what do you mean by anthropological pauperization? <laughs> he says, when pauperization has not got to do with money in our pockets and wealth, but has to do with the deprivation of every cultural identity that we have. Then the popularization is not financial popularization, but anthropological. So there's something known as anthropological popularization. And this process of anthropologizing popularization, unfortunately, is led by Christian theologians. We make a distinction between our cultures and Christ. And one day I saw Jesus Christ weeping. And I asked him, why are you weeping? He says, they are teaching me in Africa, but they are not using the cultures I've given them for teaching about me. And so my people are going into what has been termed by Herbert Shaw and Tenu as folk religion. The result is that we have people like Obafo, Obinim, who are using culture uncritically and serving them out to people as Christianity. For those who know, if they are not going to teach it and teach it well, what do you expect him to do? Obinim was an electric welder. No schooling. God calls him and he doesn't go to any school. He begins to teach people and gather people. And he will do what he knows best. Obafo is a crow from boy. And where I was born and raised is a walking distance from Crowfroom. I was born at Ashtown. Because I was all through to Apaces. We in Kuana Namenum. We. I mean, I didn't say more thing. A shim every winum. Me, hi, sir. Now, do you expect anything good? Can anything good come from Ashtown? Ashtown grass and dignity war. And Umponia Papa Nakrufu. So I'm, I'm rushing to the end of my sharing with you. I said proper Christianity would have to fly on two wings of appropriate cultural affirmations and practices and proper Christian understanding of Christianity around who Jesus is. And if you come to look at the proper Christian understanding of our culture vis-a-vis -vis Christianity as taught in the Bible, you begin to affirm what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse number 12 through 15. That those who do not have the law will be judged by what they know. You begin to realize that there's so many things in our culture that are aching to what is taught us in the Bible. And let me run through four of them. And then I'll conclude. The first one that is condemned seriously by our culture, and we don't need the Bible to know this. It's in our culture. So I do not even write them in English. I wrote them in three. Ayerefa, ayerefa. Ukofa obire. 
You know the person is married. You don't need the Bible to teach you this. Our society calls it a jamine. A jamine. What it means is that a action. Say, I'm Ketelia. A big jamine. So, in traditional settings, they will condemn it. And then any person who does that will be punished extremely. A jamine. And you are we are not Chinese. China for they, they don't have the concept of God. So missionaries are now creating God for them. For us, we had God here. A Jamai Yamichri Ayrefa, a Yendi on Pekra, Ayrefa, Obire, Noakofan, Obikun, Noakofan. If we are stuck with our culture, Anka Slepin and Yapopla or Ghana, da. Bakubina Abano, LPGQQSR, the Abendi Abend. And we don't need the Bible to tell us that that is wrong. I was like, I would not Jeffrey's get strike you, now what's she? And how they call Bema and Bema Umudampasu, how they call it in our language, you know. you me You do this in a certain. Point me to one African cultural setting where this is allowed in Africa here. Ah, Obani Bema Timid, Bema Ni Bema Timida. Na Obani Obatimida. Na Ahimfo. Eh, Shese Efe Yemon Sema Omo because Obibe Brey is called to Ebianiedi. Kofi Awuno say, despair and die. And this earth, my brother, will take you for her own. So I lose confidence in any government. You try colonialism, you try military government, you try democratic dispensations, despair and die. And this earth, our brother, will take us for its own. So these things we are dealing with, which has become huge monuments standing in our way to progress, they were dealt with in the past with ease. And the Bible has not come. Corruption, Adamudia. Ahead of every grandmother in the home wanted to rush their female children through puberty rights. Because when Shannon's Akulan was ever been over that, no one in Yama. Ever Pomakolan, if you are mine, you are my name. And then you are Take quickly. church. 
Osofu nyansani bi ko ho. Ansana meko. Osofu nyansani ni dru ho no. Na omayi biography ho. Na omu asori ni so nya biragro. But oma omu version bi ha. Enti edru sa occasion ni dia. Ukwa asori o unkwa asori o. The rituals na yesi enye no. Obakwa ko ye bi said the society na be jiwa to. Mr. Idipo who has given a substitute for the poor? And we condemn the poor. Empty condemnation. As often you go through one or there be may be a friend church as an alternative for Bragro. And not design a church. And what they do in the church, and they say, at that age, you know, you got that man for be two weeks. Now you have to say, oh, man. How to be a Christian mother, how to be a Christian wife, and no man can show me locally, you know, or you a Christian version of that. Now, say, what we are in now? Yamawin, you won't find Kun before Nufo, and before a free woe, and go display, who said, Yabem, maybe so warriwa, or may a window shopping, no choose to be. That's the meaning of femininity, you know, or you free. Tomushat are real white. No matter, sorry, them near a special service about you. There's an alternative, and if you go to Discov now, even people who are not members of the church are opting for church instead of Bragro. We just neglected them. Let us go back to them. If we say, we say, we say, we Nidia, any I know. The only Yansan, don't tell your own homo, a cultural suffering. We are glad you join us for today's episode. To engage with us some more, kindly search for Trinity United Church, Legon, on YouTube and Facebook and give us a follow. You can also join us every Sunday on the premises of Trinity Theological Seminary, Legon. Thank you.